know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Season Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What is up, Podcast Land? This is Rose Jim and Joe of the Band for All Seasons Podcast. And I know last week we didn't do a show due to me being under the weather, but I feel much better this week. And like I said in our post last week via social media, we would be back better than ever to talk more sports. It's been a very, very busy last week here in the sports world. So we're going to chop things up, get things going. But before we do... It's time to get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by George Smoke Barbecue. Authentic original oak smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgiasmoke.com. So with me across the way this week is Man the Myth the Legend, a very frequent contributor on my podcast. My dad. Dad, how's it going? Joe, it's great to be back on the Fan for All Seasons. I'm I'm glad you're feeling better and ready to put out a great show today. Looking forward to it. Let's do it. So what's interesting about this show in particular, Dad, is this episode 222. You and I saw our first baseball game on Saturday with the University of Georgia Bulldogs taking on the Charleston Buccaneers. And when it gets to two balls, two strikes, and two outs, if you're wearing a hat, you take it off and you shake the hat for good luck, do you mind telling us the genesis of said story? Joe, it's my understanding it goes back to John Lenz, who is the sponsor of this of show. this show. Shout out to John Lenz. And his little league team used to do that at two two two, and he brought it with him to the Braves games. And your uncle Kevin and Aunt Carrie picked up on it, and bada bada bing. It, time goes by, it, it just lives by. on. I, I've introduced it to my friends, and it, it's truly just become a thing. And so I got to give props to my to my guy, RG3. When I told him that this was episode 222, he made sure to say, we need to bring up about the hat bit. So RG3, when this pod drops, your moment of fame has come. The story <laughs> of 222. And watching baseball, but the Braves and the Georgia Bulldogs has come to life. So, there we go. So, speaking of the Georgia Bulldogs, Dad, you and I saw history on Saturday afternoon with the University of Georgia Bulldogs dismantling the Charleston Buccaneers 15 to nothing. And we saw one Bulldog in particular do something only for the second time in the history of Georgia baseball. Yeah, Joe, uh, our, our friend Connor Tate, who's the baseball team's version of Stetson Bennett as far as longevity, he's been around for a while and he's taken advantage of, of the NCAA rules. And he gets up to bat in the first inning and he hits a, he's a right-handed batter for those that haven't seen him. And he hits a low line drive rocket into the right field corner, almost hit the foul pole or the fair pole, depending on if you're optimistic or pessimistic. So that was the first one. Then in the second inning, he came up again and he hit a monster shot to left field. Over the trees. Over the trees. Man, a line shot. 
And then in the third inning, he comes up and goes to right field again and hits the scoreboard with a line drive uh, for a home run. So or the the Bulldogs are sitting there looking at, I mean that's a that's a lot to hit three home runs in three innings. It, but it really is. His next two at bats, he hit wicked line shots at people that were caught. Because that's the thing with with baseball, you can hit the ball really hard. It doesn't mean it's always going to be a hit. But anyways, hats off to Connor Tate to hit three in three innings is pretty remarkable. And it also helped with Tate, you know, being from right down the road. I mean, he's from Watkinsville, Oconee County, which is right down the road from Athens. So, and Connor Tate's one of those guys that I feel like has gotten better every year that he's been a part of. The, we're really seeing it come to fruition this early part of the season for the Bulldogs. So, like I said, this was our first chance to really see Georgia play. I know it was Charleston Southern. I know that one. 15 to nothing, but what were some other takeaways yeah, that you had from watching Georgia play? Joe, I, what I saw from the catcher, Fernando, Fernando Gonzalez. Gonzalez, was terrific. And then Georgia had such a big lead, they swapped their catchers and third basemen, kept both of them in the game and just switched positions. And uh, that, that was pretty cool, a way to you know build up your depth. Really liked what I saw there. We have a young guy playing first base who... Charlie Condon. Charlie Condon, who who's just... You, you told me an interesting story I'm going to ask you to tell our listeners about. But boy, he's got a beautiful looking swing, doesn't he? What What can you tell us about Charlie? So Charlie Condon, for Georgia, for fans of this podcast who are not aware... Charlie Condon came into the University of Georgia and was not really like the player he is today. He came in to UGA, he redshirted, and put on about 20 pounds of muscle. This kid is like 6'5". He's definitely uh, bulked up. He's really bulked up. And Charlie Condon is just hitting the cover off the ball. He's playing really well over at first. You can play him in the outfield, both left and right, or first base. This kid is a really athletic kid, and other than being 0 for 4 in the opening day, all the way back in mid-February, he's got a hit in every single game. Boy, but what he really has that strikes you, Joe, is beautiful swing. I mean, he's absolutely a, a big guy. He has a big, fluid swing. Uh, I love watching him hit. A really fun to watch hit, I should say. And I think that part of George's lineup with Tate, with Condon and Parks Harbor, and that's a pretty nice 2-3-4 for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yes, it is, Joe. I, uh, I wouldn't want to pitch against those guys. <laughs> I wouldn't either. So as SEC play draws near, and it's coming up next weekend, with South Carolina coming up, how, how excited are you about, about this team as they get ready for SEC play? Well, Joe, I think the big thing is going to be, uh, to answer your question, I am excited you know, the SEC games are in weekend series, three-game series. What is the starting pitching going to look like? Uh, we saw Liam Sullivan from Marist yesterday, a big, powerful left-handed pitcher, uh, looked really, really strong. The, the Friday night guy, Jaden Woods. Jaden Woods is supposed to be a big power pitcher that he is making the transition from the bullpen to the starting rotation. It's going to be interesting to see how those two guys. I mean, that's really to me the key to the season right there. It really if is. If they 
If they grow up and act And then like also, Nolan Crisp on Sunday. If Nolan Crisp can continue to pitch like he did last year, then that's really going to help Georgia as they get ready for SEC play. You know, Georgia's done a good job in the non-conference. You know, winning two out of three against Tech, beating Georgia Southern both games. They'll play Georgia Southern on the 29th of March. Georgia's done really well against in-state foes and then won two out of three from Charleston Southern this past weekend. Georgia plays Wofford coming up on Tuesday and then hosts South Carolina next weekend. And then the following weekend, they travel to Auburn, which is not easy. Auburn's always good. The interesting thing about Auburn's park, they have a green monster out there. So that's kind of neat. I was fortunate enough to go over there back in my college days, RG3, for our fans that are not aware, is a graduate of Auburn. So he graciously welcomed me. For a weekend of baseball, it was really fun. So I've got to see Auburn's Park. It's cool. So Georgia's going to go over there next weekend. Then the following weekend, Georgia will be taking on the Vanderbilt Commodores at Vandy. And going to Vandy is no picnic, is it, Dad? No, Joe. They uh, they have a, a grand history in baseball. They put a lot of players in the, in Major League Baseball. Kyle Wright. High draft picks. Dansby Swanson, for names to bring up a few. Yeah. So that's going to be a tough assignment. But I think, Joe, that the conference is so strong this year that, you know, just about any couple of teams you you call the name of, they're going to be ranked teams. Yeah. You know, hard to beat. The, the Having to play them on the road is going to be rough. But And especially back-to-back weekends. The SEC didn't do Georgia any favors. No, no. So, but but you got to play the, the schedule they give you. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, uh, I'm excited though, to see, you know, how this starting pitching holds up. You're right. The starting pitching is going to be the key to the season. I think if Coach Strickland was sitting here with us, I think he would say the same thing. So that's going to wrap it up for our Georgia Bulldog baseball part of the show. Keeping with the baseball talk, let's jump over to the Atlanta Braves. Do you realize the Braves are a Vaughn Grissom away, 18 days away from opening day? Just, just kind of give me your early thoughts on the Braves. Well, what do you think, Dad? Well, Joe, they, uh, they have talent, you know, everywhere. I guess the question marks are the aforementioned Vaughn Grissom at shortstop. Is he going to be able to carry the load? And then none of us, including the Braves, know what left field's going to look like. Rosario, potentially. Rosario or somebody else. Sam Hilliard, I think they brought him in. Yeah. The guy that played for the Rockies. That guy, Eli White, who they scooped up. And then our old friend... Marcel. Marcel. Well, okay, well, let me just go ahead and say this. For everybody who wants to know Joe's thoughts on Marcelo Zuna, the only glove Marcelo Zuna should be worried about is a batting glove. I mean, Dad, let's be honest. I I don't trust Marcelo Zuna in left field. He he has no arm. People are going to take advantage of that. Joe, it's a long season. I mean, a Tuesday night in May and Cincinnati, you can probably get away with it. If you're talking about playoff baseball... No, he doesn't need to be out there, but it's a long season. You, you know, you got to have people somewhere, and, and we've got to figure out what we can do to get, because there is a certain amount amount of talent that he has, but we just have to see uh, what we can get out of him. 
You're right. You're right about that. You're you're more optimistic about Marcel than I am. I'll just say that. <laughs> I'll just say that. I just don't know what you're going to get out of him. If he hits, then he's going to be something. You feel really good about center field. You feel really good about right field. And let, let me just talk about center field for a moment. Michael Harris here, too. What do you think? Joe, I think he's trained pretty hard in the offseason. He added about 10, 12 pounds. I think, you know, the Braves think, and I think he's going to be, you know, a... a Stellar defensive center fielder, a very good hit, hitting center fielder, and now as he's getting stronger, maybe hit a few more home runs. But, but I don't think the Braves want to put that much pressure on him. I think they, you know, he's still a very young guy. He hasn't played a full season, but 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 he has a lot of talent and has a chance to be a very good center fielder for a long time. Well, I mean, I, I've even seen mock lineups about him in the two-hole. Did you see Michael Harris as a two-hole hitter? Well, they've been they've been hitting the, the first baseman in the two-hole, uh, Matt Olson. But we will we will see. I mean, with his, I mean, you know, Harris could could you could tell me he could anywhere from one to nine, one to nine, and he would be just He'd fine, be really good. He's that so guy. I'm not worried about that. I'm not either. I think the Braves will, will hit enough and score enough. I just want to see, uh, you know, how how shortstop and left field are going to play. Well, why, well, why don't we talk about shortstop? Vaughn Grissom, I know we've seen bits and pieces of what he can do. I think Vaughn's going to be fine. I really do. I think he's athletic enough. He's a natural shortstop, I trade When we saw him, first cup of coffee, he was playing second base. Made his debut in Fenway Park and hit a upper tank shot in the Green Monster. I think Vaughn Grissom is going to be just fine. If he catches the ball, guys, I mean, that's really all you expect from him. If he hits 250 to 260 with 8 to 10 home runs and plays good defense and catches the ball, that's all you can ask, right? Really, that's all you can ask. Um, I, I Again, uh, he and Harris, I'm just hoping that they don't feel like they have to carry the team. They just have to show up and do their job and... Um, and let some of the more experienced guys carry the, the leadership burden. There are a couple more positions I want to talk to you about. Catcher, Sean Murphy, the big offseason acquisition for the Braves. What do you think? Joe, with the, the changes in the rules, it's almost like they're trying to encourage base stealing. Catcher, defensive aspects of being a catcher are going to be at a premium. And from what we can see, we have a top two or three uh, defensive catcher of all baseball. I mean, so. I, I mean, other than JT Real Muto, all the stat nerds seem to think that Sean Murphy is the real deal. And that his offense, I think he hit 18 home runs last year. If he hits 275, 270 with 18 home runs, I'll gladly take that. I and agree. He, yeah, and you know, we have Travis Darno, and you don't have to wear Murphy out. No, you can keep both. Darno and Murphy well rested, ready to go. I mean, playing in Atlanta in the heat of the summertime can wear you out. And I think the Braves are in a good spell there, their catcher. There's a couple more positions I want to talk about. Third base, Austin Riley, thoughts? Joe, Austin Riley had is coming off just a sensational year. Um, he's... You know, it's hard to believe, but he was seventh in the National League MVP 
balloting That's last crazy. year, and he should have been uh, much higher. I mean, but he sort of came out of. Um, but he had a he had a great year. I think he, he has a chance to be really one of the big power bats in the National League that nobody wants to see come up to bat, especially with runners in scoring position. No doubt. And the last position player I want to get your thoughts on, Matt Olson. Your two, Atlanta. Thoughts on Matt? Joe, I think it's going to slow down for Matt this year, and he'll just be more relaxed. He had a good enough season last year, but I I think he has a chance to, to be much better. He had 44 doubles, 34 homers, and 103 RBIs, but he only hit 240. I think that 240 could go to 260. But but the other numbers are all just fine. Now, he really didn't play very good defense at first base, which was a surprise, but I think that has a chance to get better. Joe, what are your thoughts on Matt Olson? I, I think Matt Olson's, I think where he's going to make the biggest step forward is in the power department. Because if you recall last year, it was double city for Mr. Olson. 44. I think he's going to do nothing but hit home runs. I mean, he's also going to hit doubles and drive in guys, but I think his power numbers, especially to the chop house, is going to be really, really dangerous this spring. And I think all the thoughts of, you know, having to replace Freddie Freeman and being the guy doing that, I think all that's out of his head. I think he's just going to play baseball. Joe, what are we going to see at second base this year? So, there's a mixed bag on Ozzy Albies. If Ozzy stays healthy, I think he could hit 280 to 285. You know, give you 18 home runs and... Play good defense at second base. He, I also think Ozzy's going to make a big impact with his speed. I think he could, think he and Acuna have a chance to really do damage, in, you know, in the stolen base department. I feel like, you know, really other than Olsen, Murphy, and Ozuna wherever he plays, I feel like everybody else is a stolen base threat on the Braves. The Braves have this is probably the most athletic they've been for a while as far as picking them up and putting them down. You know, and, and you're right, I agree with what you say. But wasn't it ironic last year? It seemed like whenever there was somebody on first trying to score from a dub, on a double, it was always Matt Olson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like the little engine that could yeah. going around I the base. Yeah, I think I can. I think I can. Exactly, exactly. There's one last thing with the Braves I want to talk about. It's the rotation and just the pitching as a whole. Thoughts on the starting staff? Well, Joe... I- Max Freed is your number one, and you feel I really good about feel that. Feel good about that. Then you've got Spencer, Spencer Strider and Kyle Wright. Feel feel good about both of them. Now, some of our media in Atlanta is projecting Spencer Strider to just. I don't know that there isn't going to be a little bit of a bump, but I think he's fine. He's got great stuff. He's got a good makeup. He does. Kyle Wright is is one of those people a world of talent. I just, just mentally I don't he's not always all there. And then you're four, you got Charlie Morton. And you, you feel you feel really good about Charlie Morton. And he's for the first time in a while is fully coming, healthy. Coming back off a full spring, you know, full off season spring. He's we should be, you know, now he's of he's of an age that he might start falling off, but but you know, like wine, he gets better with he age. He seems to. He seems to. I then you get to... Ian Anderson and Mike, not Mike Soroka, Michael Soroka. Yeah, um, that's a shame because that My Soroka uh, song was great. I know. But it was. Michael Soroka, um, I always thought he was 
very mature beyond his years as far as uh, being a competitor and and I really really like him and if if he can just be healthy I think we have a chance for for a really good one there and then what Ian, about Ian Ian um, I don't know what happened we'll say he just got he throws too many balls over the middle of the plate sure they're going to analyze that to death and work with him but it would be great to see I think he's got the makeup and the uh, you know the Mentally, he's tough and competitive, and I think he has a chance to be a pretty good starter. Totally agree. I th- and I mean, just think about his rookie year. I mean, he was our number two starting pitcher in the postseason against the Dodgers as a rookie. Yeah. And you know, even in the World Series in '21, he was tough as nails. Now there is the rumor on that he is developing or working on a slider. How do you feel this pitch coming into his arsenal? Well, having a third third real go-to pitch for any pitcher is a plus. And, you know, he's able to, uh, you know, to pull that off. Because his changeup, man, when it's on, he, he's a different dude. He yes, is he a is. a different dude. Yes, he is. But, Joe, then we go to the bullpen. You got oh, Iglesias. I love you the got bullpen. Jimenez. You got McHugh. You got Jesse Chavez, Kirby Yates, AJ Minter, Dylan Lee, and Lucas Lutoge. Yeah, Lutke. Yeah. So let me just say this. I think the Braves bullpen, no surprise here, has a chance to be the best bullpen in baseball. Iglesias is an upgrade over Kinley Jansen, I think. I'm I'm just going to go and say it. For those of you that don't know, you can go back in our Fan for All Seasons archives from last year. And I was the ringleader of the get Iglesias to close. Ken Lee is a shell of himself, crew. I think Iglesias is going to have a fabulous year. His fastball is electric. He's really good. That was one of the great moves that Alex Anthopoulos made, was bringing him in. I think Joe Jimenez, he's a guy that not a lot of people know about, unless you like watch a lot of baseball. I'm not saying I watched a ton of Detroit Tigers baseball. But I would see highlights of Jimenez on ESPN and MLB Network. And Jimenez is coming in here to a really good Braves bullpen and going to make it even better. Joe Jimenez is going to be fantastic. I feel really good about this guy. And he he was a horse with the Tigers. He's coming into a really good club with the Braves. And again, Alex Anthopoulos did a great job of taking care of the bullpen. And I'll tell you who else I'm excited about. Is Ludke, the lefty from the Yankees. What are your thoughts on Ludke? Well, I haven't seen him pitch much, but I've read read about him and it his, seems like he has a lot going for him. He's uh his stats are eye popping from yeah, a year ago. But I was told the Yankees just started dumping salary when they signed uh Aaron Judge to that crazy Which contract. Which let's be real, that contract is insane. You it's, think it's insane, right? It really is. Way, way over the So rainbow. who would have thought the Yankees would be shelling salary to pay for one guy? I mean, did you ever think in your lifetime the Yankees would be doing that? No, but I never thought somebody would get a contract for $350 million. That's nuts. That's a good point. That's a good point. Joe, when I was a kid, one time, when Ted Turner bought the Braves, he bought the Braves for like $6, 7000000 million for the whole team. And now you have... You know, your third and fourth starting pitchers make more than that one year than what 
it costs to buy the Braves. Yeah, that that is nuts, Dad. That is really nuts. So all that to say, we're really excited about the Braves. 18 days away, just a Vaughn Grissom, just a Ryan Klesko for our older <laughs> Brave fans. You know, Ryan Klesko was 18. Who else was 18? Ryan Langerhans was 18. I, I know I know Langerhans was popular with the ladies back in the day. Joe, you're, you're pulling these numbers out on me. I can't remember those anymore. So, Dad, all that to say, really excited about the Braves. Our Braves talk will heat up as we get closer and closer to Atlanta Braves baseball. Coming up on March 30th, 105 against the Washington Nationals. Can I go ahead and just say this before we leave the Braves for a moment? A day game at 105 in Washington? Really, Rob Manfred? What? Why can the Braves not open up at home? They did last year. What did we do to deserve this? We're playing in freezing cold Washington? And then we got to go to freezing cold St. Louis? Come on, Rob. Be better, man. (laughs) Anyway, that's all I got to say. Very excited about the Braves. Dad, we're going to transition to a little basketball. We're going to talk about the two teams we like to talk about, and then we're going to round out the show with a little March Madness. We're going to go to the Atlanta Hawks first, Dad. And so, the Hawks, I want to say there's, what, 16, 17 games left in the year? Where are you at with Coach Quinn Snyder? We haven't really had a chance to talk about Coach Quinn. So, my first kind of topic I want to talk to you about, thoughts on the new coach about Quinn Snyder and... Can the Hawks make a run? Well, Joe, it appears just by the body language that Trey Young and Quinn Snyder have a much better relationship than than we had with the previous administration. And with Trey Young's contract, he's not the one that's going anywhere. So no, I thought Nate McMillan is. I think he's a good coach, but he and Trey were just clearly not. Uh, on the same page. I I like DeJounte Murray. Uh, I, I, I'd like to see him sort of step up more. Assert himself. Yeah. I'm, Especially defensively, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Because that, that was his calling card. He came to Atlanta, everybody was like, he's a defensive wizard. And he, he he's made plays defensively. Like, if you think about it in the Washington game, Friday night, remember he had that key steal weight in the game that led to a basket in the fourth quarter? Yeah. Like, like those are the type of moments that you're going to ask for Murray as we get later on in the regular season and as we get into the playoffs. So, all that to say, I'm excited about Quinn Snyder. I think he's a breath of fresh air. I think he is going to come in here and do a really good job. Now, is he going to turn this thing into a championship team overnight? No. But I think the long play, the Hawks feel really good about themselves with Coach Quinn. I know I do. And I heard a really good interview on an Atlanta radio station a few weeks back with Quinn's old college coach, Mike Krzyzewski. And he, Coach K, made it seem to think that Quinn is a good molder of people, that people want to play for Quinn. He's the type of guy that's going to get people excited and I heard a video clip of him Friday following the victory against Washington Friday night. And Quinn said, guys, if we get stops, we win games. That's something so plain and so simple and so true. That's the key. If the Hawks are going to make a run, you agree. It starts with defense. Oh, it has to. And I'd like to get more. They have a group of players that just seem to miss a lot of games with 
nitpicking injuries and you know I'm talking about Capella and John Collins Bogdanovich and DeAndre they I, I don't know they they just seem to have a lot of small injuries and I, I know it's a long season and it's a grind on their bodies but boy as we go down the stretch we really need that court playing together and then since they acquired Bay seems like the development of A.J. Griffin has sort of been on the back burner. Which kind of hurts a little bit. I will say that is the one thing that has been the significant difference from Quinn to Nate. Nate unlocked the key that was A.J. Griffin. And A.J. was playing. And now with Sadiq Bey, I, I I, if, you, if you tell me from the basic basketball standpoint, I get it. The fact that this is the most basketball A.J. Griffin's played. And now they bring in a guy like Sadiq Bey, like more of a veteran type guy. And Sadiq Bey has been great. I like what they've gotten out of Sadiq Bey. I got to be honest, I didn't watch a lot of Detroit Pistons basketball, but I did before he was acquired. But I did see some highlights of him a year ago. You know, he dropped six. Yeah, Sadiq Bey can fill it up. He's a good shooter, and he does play defense. Unlike a certain forward for the Hawks. But I'm I'm not going to rant on him today. This is a happy podcast. We are not <laughs> going to throw stones at a fool, at a guy who used to play basketball at the University of Virginia for the Atlanta Hawks. We are not okay. going to do that. Anyway, so all that to say, I feel like the Hawks can make a run with Coach Quinn. But it starts with defense, plain and simple. Like Quinn said, if they get stops, they win games. Now, this week for the Hawks is interesting because Monday night, our old friend Anthony Edwards comes rolling in with the T-Wolves and then Friday, the Hawks play the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and that bunch coming to State Farm. So two big home games this week. Yeah, it's it's going to be a, a good test for the Hawks. We'll see where they are on their um, as they head, you know, down the road towards the playoffs. Are they are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to make be in the play-in? Are they going to make the the field? These games we're going to be watching this next couple of weeks are going to go a long way to answering those questions, Joe. Uh, where, Jim, what does your gut tell you about where this team is? My gut tells me that they're going to find a way to get in the playoffs. Whether I, I don't know if they're going to be able to make the sixth seed or try to catch Miami because those two losses to Miami really hurt us last week. I, I'm... I don't know if we're going to catch them, but I think we're going to get in the plan. Now, do we survive the plan? That's the $50,000 question that I think every Hawk fan wants to know. Am I disappointed that we're in this position? Absolutely. Because if you look at the talent on this team before Quinn came in, that, that this Hawks team was supposed to be a top 14 in the East, right? Yeah. That's what they told us all offseason. That's why you brought in DeJounte Murray. Um, the, I know you can't change the past, but, but I also feel like if this Hawks team can survive the play-in tournament, they can play with anybody, talent-wise. Yeah, this Hawks team can play with anybody in the league. They don't have to apologize for the talent. No. They really don't. It, it just plainly comes down to defense. So, all that being said, I think they're going to get in the playoffs. I just don't know how far they can go. What do you think? Well, I, you know, to me it goes back to Trey Young and where he's at, where his mindset is. Because when he's focused and involved and all, he's, he, he, he's not so much on the defensive end, but on the offensive end, I mean, he's a dominating player. Um, 
and then they need Collins and Capella and Bogdanovich and Murray, all these guys, Hunter, to step up and and really bring their game really in. and and really play. They're the ones too basketball. that have to play defense. I mean, right, it's not optional. Right, uh, you got to play defense as we get later in the year. Yeah, and I'll and I'll say this too. Watching the Celtic game Saturday night, did you notice the way Boston moved the ball? Like, as, it seemed like everybody touched it. You know, they're moving it really well. And the Hawks, they they do they do this. I know they were down a lot, but they still play that ISO stuff. Can they move the ball some? That's yeah. all I'm asking. I hope so. A little ball movement goes a long way. So anyway, all that being said, I think the Hawks are going to get in the playoffs. I just don't know how far they're going to go. We are all going to be enjoying that and seeing how far this Hawks team can go. Because I think, like we've said, talent-wise, they match up with anybody in the league. If if they're getting stops on defense. Yeah, there need, definitely has to be a commitment to defense. No doubt about it. Absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up for Atlanta Hawks part of the show. I do want to talk a little bit of Georgia Bulldogs. Before we go into March Madness really quick, aware now that the Georgia Bulldog basketball season has ended under first-year head coach Mike White. The crescendo of it was the Kentucky game. That victory on Feb- in mid-February was awesome. February 11th, it was. It was absolutely just the win of the year. That and beating Auburn were two, the two biggies. But, you know, after the Kentucky game, they lost six in a row to end the year, and we were at the Missouri game, obviously, and then LSU, they kind of ran out of gas. So what What were your, I guess, Dan, my, my question, how would you describe this first year of Georgia basketball under Mike White? Well, for the most part, Joe, as you described, it was really good, especially coming off the season before, but why it fell off the cliff the way it did after that uh, Kentucky win on February 11th, I don't know. Uh, they... They did win one more against LSU, but one by two. But thanks to our uh, friend Justin Hill. But after that, I mean, it was ugly basketball. It uh, really double, was double-digit losses all over the place. Not, not making shots. Just I. So I don't want to dwell on the bad. There, big steps forward were taken. Oh, huge steps forward. Absolutely. You but you we, will not find a bigger fan of Mike but, White than me. But they they're gonna need to accumulate. Talent, talent. And, recruit, and uh, and he and he does have two guys signed: a big man, six nine from Florida, and a six six wing player from Norcross High School, which is in Wadat County. So you like that he's tapped into the state a little bit. Now he, no one, Mike White, he's going to hit the transfer portal pretty hard. And I've heard some rumors about you know. Some guys maybe staying with the program. Some guys maybe leaving. We'll just have to wait and see. But I think the future of Georgia basketball is very bright under Mike White. Very bright. Because I I listen to Coach White's call-in show. And I feel like those call-in shows really show you the makeup of of who you have as a coach. And I feel like the thing I like about Mike White is Mike White was really authentic. And he really, like, answered questions, like, really well. And in good detail and kind of gave fans a little bit to know about his personality, which I thought was good. And so I feel really good about the future of Georgia basketball. I think it's very bright with Mike White. I will say one last thing about Georgia basketball and about Stegman Coliseum. Dad, there was the story 
about a piece of Stegman Coliseum falling. Thoughts on that? Well, Joe, that it's an old structure. I mean, it's been redone several times, but they're going to need to evaluate that and, and see, you know, what needs to be done with that building. Now that, you know, there's different people think they should tear it down and rebuild right there. There's other people say just fix what's broken now and roll. I, I think as much as the physical building is a concern, they're, you know, it appears they're going to have to somehow get their hands on more NIL money and expand the recruit budget. They have a very long NCAA tournament drought. Uh, they've only won one SEC tournament game, and, you know, and since the in the last four or five years. So they really need to uh, to take the steps, acquire the players, and become more and more competitive in the league. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I think Coach White's the guy that can do it, but I think what you know, there there's going to have to be more of a commitment from the administration. And I think if there is a commitment from the administration, Mike White is going to do big things. All you have to do is look what, you know, football has done. And, like, I mean, it, it, the other thing about Georgia basketball, one last point, and I promise we'll leave it alone, and it is the fact you see other schools like Bama and Auburn and Tennessee, like schools like that, if they can unlock basketball, why can't we? Well, we're going to find out, Joe. We are going to find out. But we, we really are. Those other schools have done a good job, and we're hoping Coach White can uh, can lead us in the right direction. There's no doubt about that. Because let me tell you, when Georgia basketball gets back and rolling, yours truly is going to be beside himself. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. So, Dad, before we round out this week's show, it is the March to Madness. It starts on Thursday. One of the great days of the year, March 16th. A lot of people will be cutting out of work early, going to like bars and grills and eating food and stuff like that. Which reminds me, you know, Thursday at lunch, we could go somewhere and uh, watch some basketball before we go back to work. Well, you got to be careful with that, Joe, because you got to rem- make sure you make it back to work. That is true. That is true. So give me your thoughts on the tournament. Uh, Joe... College basketball is so wide open. You know, really, there's there's a bunch of teams that could do it, but, um, you know, it struck me as odd that, like, this year in the ACC, which, again, was wide open, last night we watched the championship game, and it was Virginia and Duke. I mean, that's who it's been for years, and... Uh, so in some ways things change, but in some ways they stay the same. You know, Vir- Virginia has a terrific coach and Coach Bennett, and Duke has just gone through a coaching transition, and it's a it's a great compliment to John Shire that he was able to, uh, you know, to win the ACC tournament championship in his first year, and. Uh, I'm sure the people at Duke are all excited about that. But there's, you know, there's there's a bunch of teams who really haven't been up at the top for a while who have a chance to win the championship. I mean, just look at Alabama. Like, let's be real. Did any of us think Alabama was going to do this? 
before the year started? I mean, unless if you're like, you know, diehard Alabama guy. Or like, you know, Nick Saban's right-hand guy who's focusing on the basketball team. Yeah, Alabama, you know, they... They have great talent. Auburn has talent. Tennessee has talent. There's there's some really talented teams in our league. And, uh, you know, basketball is such a streaky game that any one of those teams can. And you also know this. This is probably the last point on March Madness. There's going to be that team like St. Peter's last year, the Peacocks. Everybody remembers the Peacocks, <laughs> how they went on that run. There's going to be that team, you know, Texas Southern was the first 20-loss team to make it to the NCAA tournament. They're 14-20, and 20, but they won their conference. Could a team like that go on a run? I mean, you just don't know. That is the unpredictability of March Madness. That is what makes March Madness so cool. It, but you're right. This is the most wide-open college basketball and March Madness has been in years. I can think of. I agree. I completely agree. And we, we are going to see some upsets. That's what makes it great. And we are going to see some Cinderella go far. That's what makes it fun. So, Dad, that's going to round it up for our basketball part of the show. So, guys, if you like this podcast, if you want to know more about it, I'm going to tell you about FanForAllSeasons.com. And it's our website where you can go, where you can check out our merchandise. You can check out our Comfy Colors t-shirts. It's still a little cool, so you can get your Fan for All Seasons hoodies at our merchandise store. Go to the Shop Merch tab, and they'll take care of all your Fan for All Seasons merchandise. So, guys... I do want to say one last thing. It's time to get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic original smoke barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgiasmoke.com. So if you like this podcast, you can find us on any major podcast platform. Like and subscribe. Give us a follow. Find us at Fan for All Seasons. So that's where you can go to find us. So for myself, Jam and Joe, also big thanks to my dad, for coming on the show this week. This has been another exciting installment of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. And go dogs.